well-being, mental health and well-being is so important. That, um, as a qualified science teacher, qualified in Egypt, I wasn't qualified here. Okay. We do get attached to schools, yes. to schools, to the children, to the staff, even to the building. Lena, I don't that's think, what? honestly, I don't think it's about being comfortable or not. It's about being satisfied or not. And that's a different level. Okay. Yesterday, I was in the staff room, a normal teacher, the Michael <laughs> department. And honestly, and overnight, I got the title of a, an acting deputy or a deputy head of the school. I don't really care where the knowledge comes from. As long as I'm learning and you lead by example, honestly, I, you need to develop leaders within the school yeah. and build that capacity. And if you ask me now, I say I was born to be a teacher. Seriously, oh I belong here. I really belong here. Please, please look after your employees. When you have them, appreciate that they make a massive sacrifice to work in your school. Welcome to the Murabiyun Show, raising awareness of Islamic schools. Busy head teacher, what do you like to have for lunch? Well, maybe we could ask Sophia. <laughs> <laughs> I usually get forced into lunch and um, I really have, a, I work with a fantastic team. And honestly, my PA, she's fantastic. She looks after me really well and my well-being. I That's have to nice. say very well. And she's more often, she would walk through, what are you having for lunch today? <laughs> reminding you. Yeah, yeah, she does. I said, no, I can't, no, you can't say you can't. So you don't have an option. You have to have a lunch. When you, especially when I come to KD. Because KD, as I said, we have a, a proper, um, a proper catering, obviously, yeah. uh, school catering facilities. So it's cooked in the premises, provided. So we have, and we have options as well of meals, choice. So um, you can never, ever go hungry or thirsty when you come to KD. Alhamdulillah, I saw that first time myself when the sister <laughs> offered me... Um, uh, a cheese sandwich and samosas and fresh croissants and I was like what fresh yes <laughs> wow you know what mashallah it was really nice okay so that's good so food wise you're looked after by the school and by your PA mashallah really good okay alhamdulillah that's good um it's a Friday alhamdulillah the day of Jummah is that the same reaction you have on a Monday Oh, what a question I think it is the kind of the same, but a little bit less. Okay. Than, yeah. Okay. But um, I'm always happy to come to school. No I'm problem. always enthusiastic and every day. Very rare, very rare that I go to sleep and I say, I wish tomorrow is a holiday. And I, 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 I like to believe that the staff who work with our establishments have the same feeling. Because I think it's nothing worse than going to work and thinking, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. Like yeah. a child. Yeah. Think about school the next day and say, I wish I don't go to school tomorrow. Yeah. There's something not right there. Yeah. But normal as a human being, we do have some good days and some bad days. Of course. Up and down. But that's, that's part of life. Part of life. Alhamdulillah. Take the enjoyment by the way. No. No, it's good. What's, your, what's the thing that you do with, to switch off? You know, like, obviously, you're day-to-day. -day, I know you're busy. What do you like to do to switch off? Oh, my God. This is so hard to answer. I don't switch off. I do like to switch off, but it's very difficult. The only thing make me switch off is my grandchildren at the moment. Uh, my family commitment and something that has now don't have a choice of it. So you've got to switch off because um, my weekend I've got my family and as, and as I said, I'm quite engaged at the moment with my family, which really is a way, which is a good way of making, that's it, stop. 
That's it. So, yeah. no, mashallah, it's good. And, and I'm pretty sure the grandchildren uh, aren't going to allow you to get the folder out and the laptop out. And oh, and when we go places, the condition, no laptop is coming with us. No, no school that's, diary. No that's, how it, that's how it should be. Even if I sneak them back. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you went away recently last week, I yes. think it was. Did yeah. you do any work while you were away? Ya Rabbi, I can't lie. Astaghfirullah. Three hours only. Three hours <sighs> only in the, in the day before, last day before I left. Oh, that's not too bad. And it, no, it wasn't. Honestly, that's not too bad. in comparison to what I usually do, yeah. this is a massive improvement. That's good. Yeah. That's good. How important is it to take time away? Like, you know, you went away, mashallah. How, how important is it to take away from the, the school, the town, the city, have a different... Right. What does that do for you? I, I, I'm honestly, I'm be, just before the holiday, literally... Till the last Friday when we broke, I honestly was so stressed. I can't tell you how stressed I was. The workload was really quite large. And I was very stressed. And I keep saying to myself, maybe I need to retire. Maybe it's the time. I can't. And, and, and again, we're human. Mm. And I went away thinking, maybe I, do I need to give up? What is it? Then when we went away, and it was, again, as I said, it was a farm. Oh, wow. So it was absolutely, you were... Um, just with the nature, that's it. Yeah. There was nothing else around. And those four days have cleared my mind and my soul and my, my health. I felt so fresh and recharged me, seriously. SubhanAllah. When I came, I come to KD Tuesday and a Thursday and, and half Fridays. So when I came, when I walked in Thursday, because Friday I was here, so my PA again saw me and even the staff, they straight away knew that I would, I knew that I would, I really needed to have a little bit of time okay. away. When I came on Tuesday, I came like a kid going first day to school, jumping like a child. <laughs> I don't know what to say. And the first, she walked me through the office, she said, oh, Alhamdulillah, look at this. You recharge, haven't you? But when I was away, I sent her some photos, she said, Alhamdulillah. Uh, okay. And honestly, now I'm telling you, I think it's very important that, um, Everybody, all of us, we need that well-being, mental health and well-being is so important that if we don't look after it, it's not really, it's not good. For, it's not good, it will impact on your own work, even, yeah. even health and work. And I think it is good to switch off and be fair to yourself. Your nafs, your soul has got a right upon you. Definitely. And we have to really fulfill that right. Alhamdulillah. Definitely. It's beautiful, mashallah, that you say that because it's always take health and well-being and, and there's a whole kind of narrative around it at the moment. But to know that it's coming from a place that's authentic to our traditions and our heritage, yes, alhamdulillah, you know, it's, it actually reminds you that actually this is deep and rooted yes, in, in, in who we are, what we're about. Uh, mashallah, it must be really nice to even share that with your staff when you're, when you're talking to them and reminding them about their well-being. Even when I walked into briefing that day, stuff straight away, you can see a bubble jumping. I was literally <laughs> jumping. In the, in, the, in the library, it does, it does. Yeah, no, alhamdulillah, it's good. For how long it's going to last? Allahu alam. <laughs> Maybe I hope till someone now, till someone tell. <laughs> When's the last time you taught in the classroom? Oh, that's... Has it been a while? It has been a while. Okay. When the last time I, wore, I went into a classroom, all the time. Okay. So if, I don't know, um, today, this morning you walk in and one of your staff is off sick, unfortunately, or can't make it into work, and there was a subject that needed covering and you were the only available person, 
Which subject would you want that to be? To cover it and teach it. I could cover any subject, that's not an issue, but not specifically <clears> to, <throat> to do maybe, I could do cover for any subject, that's not a problem, but not really of the subject knowledge and understanding sure. to deliver, that wouldn't be fair. I could be a cover teacher to cover any member of the problem. But to walk in and teach, it would either has to be a mathematics or any of the science teachers, specifically physics, okay. which is my really my subject, Mashallah. my background. Which is the one that you'd least want it to be? Come on, be honest with us. History. History. <laughs> I'll say, I'll tell the teachers even, I'll say, yeah, history. Because I, I don't know history. A lot of information to learn, a lot of, yeah, history. I would, so I, he, I'm interested in history, but I don't think it's a subject that I'd be able to teach. So as a message for the history teacher, make sure you come into work every day. Yeah, definitely. And <laughs> <I> do. <laughs> when I walk into the lessons, I always, I always share my views with the children. I said, you know what? When I was a child, I never ever was good in history. I didn't like history. And the teacher, the kids looked at me. I said, but that's not... That I don't like history. I don't understand it much. I think there's a lot of hives like in knowledge yeah. you have to learn by. And I'm not that type of... <laughs> so, anyway. School leader over two schools in Manchester. Tell me a little bit about your journey into school leadership. Ooh, where do you want me to start from? That's a long... I would have to go back um, years ago. Um, I've joined the MIET school, Manchester Islamic Educational Trust Schools, in 1991, wow. when the girls' school was first established in Manchester. Okay. And it was the first Muslim girls' school. And we had, that time, 13 girls in the school. And um, I've joined the school on a capacity as a teacher, and I was teaching Quran. And, uh, and Islamic studies in the school, sure. Quran, Arabic, and Islamic studies. But during that time, I was doing already my PGCA within, with the university, because I came from Egypt, obviously, in 1984, um, as a qualified science teacher, qualified in Egypt, but I wasn't qualified here. Okay. So when the Muslim school, obviously, um, started, they wanted create, they were recruiting teachers. I wasn't a qualified teacher at that time. And to be honest, even my English was just at the beginning. When I came here, I couldn't speak any English at all. Sure. I could read English that I studied at school, but I, I couldn't speak any. So um, I, they recruited me in the capacity as Quran, Arabic, and Islamic studies teacher. And during that time, I was doing my, my PhD in Man Manchester Metropolitan University here in uh, science. My special subject is physics. Okay. Graduated to straight away... I got a science teacher within the school because I became a qualified. Yeah. Then within a few years, I taught, because it was a small school, there's not enough full time for obviously a subject teacher. I taught maths as well. So math, math, math and science or physics, they go together. Within three years, I became a head of department. Okay. Both it was science and mathematics. Then the role developed within a few years again became um, an opportunity has occurred in the school where I became an acting deputy head. Okay. Then a deputy head. Then within really six, seven years, 1997, I became the head teacher of Manchester Islamic High School for Girls at that time. Okay. That grammar is only a couple of years ago that sure. grammar changed. And then from then, from there, really my role has developed quite... Um, so if my numbers... All right, 25 years in headship? Yes. Wow, long time. Yeah, long time, yes. Does it feel that long? No. How long does it feel? A couple of years ago. 
Wow. Seriously? No, it doesn't. It doesn't feel that long. No. So at the moment, you are you're an executive head teacher. Yes. What, what does that mean? What's an executive head teacher? Right. Okay. Just let me um, a little bit give you a background about MIET or Manchester Islamic Educational Trust. They they are consist of uh, three schools. Okay. Man, the Manchester Muslim Prep School, the Manchester Islamic Grammar School for Girls, and the yep. KD Grammar School for Boys. Sure. The, um, the, the eldest school is the girls' school, okay. 1991. Yep. In 1993, they established the Manchester Muslim Prep School. Okay. In 1999, they established KD Grammar School for Boys. Okay. So this is the three children in my ET house. So my first job when I said as a headship, it was at the girls' school. Ah, okay. Right. Then in 2000, um, the head teacher of KD left suddenly for a personal reason, reason, and I was straight away asked at that time, "Can I just can I be the acting head of KD until they appoint a head teacher at KD?" Yeah. The only one year, Mrs. Muhammad, and you be back at the girls' school. You run the two schools just for one year, and then you go back. And I gone back fully to the girls' school in 2008. Oh, wow. When they recruit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. By this time, KD were, had an Ofsted inspector in January 2008, and they were outstanding. Awesome. So alhamdulillah, I left in good terms, KD. But you know, by this time, I really got attached to KD. You <laughs> do get attached to schools, yeah. to schools, to the children, to the staff, even to the building. Yeah. You get attached to it. But I went again, the role, it, was, it is a challenging, two growing up schools, developing schools. You really, you need 24 hours, honestly, effort and time to give. Went back to the girls' school, then other head teachers took over. Again, time passed, few head teachers came and go. The last head teacher was, uh, then in 19, in 2000, and I think 16 it was, 17, 17, the trust said, look, we have three schools under one umbrella. They're really kind of running like three separate schools. We need to make them under one umbrella so that the three schools, systems, procedures, to be the same. We need consistency across the three schools, yeah. apart from gender and age, something else. So the idea of we need an executive head rather than the trust to oversee the whole thing. And it's, again... You need someone in education, a specialist. We need someone, a role of an executive head that could look after the three schools, look at systems and procedures and try to make them all consistent across. Yep. So they approached me. We want that role and we'd like you to take over the role. I said, how can I take a role? I'm already the head teacher of the girls' school. They said, yeah, okay. I said, don't take my baby from me. The girls' school is my baby, really. They said, fine. Leave the head shop. The boys' school has a head teacher anyway. Right. The, at the prep school, they appointed an acting head. They said, so you remain the head of the girls' school, but please oversee the other two schools. You'll support the head teacher at the boys' school you oversee, work with the head teacher, and the acting head at the prep school. And subhanAllah, it's at the beginning, as much as I... I liked what the trust offered, what they offered, and why I looked at the job description and the reason behind it. And honestly, I do have a great motive of developing and make, having an impact, making a difference. And I know there's a, that we, ha we had a potential in the three schools to make things better and develop it better. 
So I've accepted and I said, let me try and let me see. It's, it's a challenging role, but I'm, I'm always up for a challenge. And you know, you come at some time, when you do something every day the same, that skills me, I, I'm not that person. Yeah. I do like challenges. Challenges is, is, is something that you look forward to, you develop and you develop yeah. people with you, not just yourself. You learn and you take people on board with you. So um, worked very hard with the acting kid at the prep school because she was, that's her first role has not had that leadership before. That was a tough one. And mashallah, she was appointed as a head teacher a couple of years ago. Fantastic. You'll meet her today, Mrs. Kafoor, running very well. And she's got a minimum, minimum support at the moment. Just a Alhamdulillah. absolutely fabulous, fabulous person to work with. Alhamdulillah. Unfortunately, the head of KD left KD in 2020 for a relocation. Just as the pandemic in March 20, as the pandemic, period started. So again, there was no other option. I, as an executive head, trust said, you know, just take the role until we appoint another head teacher. And the role never changed. So at the moment, <laughs> heading two schools and executive head of three schools, it's very challenging. Honestly, one of the things that I have to say within AMS schools, recruitment is a real, real challenge. I hope so, AMS are listening to this. Uh, well, uh, they, we say it all the time, <laughs> and they know it. They know something. They it's very difficult yeah. to recruit leadership and the calibers that you, you want to fit within the, with the school ethos, with the setup of the school. Very difficult. Oh. And one of the most difficult, and I have to say, and I say it, salaries are one of, even though we consider MIET here to have quite high salaries, in, really in comparison to other Muslim schools, but that's still really a massive challenge mm. for us. Massive challenge. Later on in the show, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, challenges across Muslim schools. Right, okay. And um, I guess to some extent, you've you've already highlighted a particular area that, that is challenging for Muslim schools. Let's stick on a little bit around you as a, as a kind of school leader and, and a head teacher. I know it's a long time ago, but let's take a trip down memory lane. What inspired you at the time to get into headship? What was the thing that kind of really hooked you in? Because you could have carried on being a science teacher, head of department. You could have kind of had a comfortable life and, you know, had a summer holiday. I'm guessing you don't have a summer holiday now. I that's don't why. think, honestly, I don't think it's about being comfortable or not. It's about being satisfied or not. And that's a different level. Okay. Um, you could be doing nothing, but you're not satisfied with your life. And you mm. could be doing a lot, but you, even though physically and mentally tired, but you're happy because you're satisfied. Mm. And it's not just about self-satisfaction. The idea of working in a Muslim school to start with is a massive satisfaction for myself, for my spiritual, honestly, for my dean, for me. And I didn't want to have that just for me. I wanted to have an impact. I want to contribute to, so to, did you realize did you realize that early on when you started working in the oh, Muslim yes. school? Oh yes, once that... you start with Muslim schools, they're massive. Of course, that's straight away. The motive is okay. Is that enough? So well? if so, do you think that maybe if you're a science teacher, physics teacher in a in a non-Muslim school, you'd have still had that aspiration to become a school leader? Yes, I think I would. Yes, why not? It's making difference in people's lives. In, in, in children's life, I think, and the impact that you put in the people mm. around you. And why wouldn't I be a leader and I be a Muslim leader even that not in a non-Muslim school yep. and let them see good examples, good role models of Muslims 
around them. Why? Is that not because I'm not in a Muslim school, I can't contribute? I think I can't contribute a mm -hmm. lot, even to help in developing the understanding and the myths around Islam's and Muslims. Yeah. That itself is, a, is, for me, is very important. You mentioned something about role models. Who's your role model? It's, it's not fair to say I have one good role model rather than people role models. Obviously, um, for us as Muslims, the Prophet and the Sahaba are our, to be honest, our main focus role models that we follow their steps, okay? But you're talking about in this round in life, there's a lot of people around me, role models, and I have to start with my first role models are my parents, right? Alhamdulillah. Really, the way I was brought up, and my father was a head teacher. Mashallah. And yes, he was. He was a great leader. May Allah, inshallah, forgive him, inshallah. Amin. 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 And uh, Amin. grant him Jannah. He was Amin. a great leader. And my mother was a great leader at home for us. Alhamdulillah. See, they were both our ma'alim, really. They, mm. they our teachers started at home. And um, I was the only, uh, the eldest and the only girl in the family. And I have another four brothers younger than me. Mashallah. Wallahi. And I was br being brought up. I've never, ever felt that my dad has, has really, has treated us differently. He had the same expectation from all, all of us. He must have treated you differently because the only girl. <coughs> uh, yeah, I was his favorite. I was daddy's <laughs> girl. Honestly, a very, he was a very strong leader and very... Islamically, he was very strong. The terbiyah we've had and the nature, nurture and the terbiyah we've had at home. That has massive impact on who I am now and what I'm doing. In every way. I'm at work and at my home before. Because I believe I can't give to my work what I can't give to my family, my husband and my children. This is something, again, this is the way I open my eyes to see my mom such a beautiful a beautiful role model at home as a mother, as a wife, and and the same for my father. So I saw the love and care and support at home, and that was massive motive for me to, I think, to be where where I am now or to to look at leadership from that. He was a, he was my great hero and leader. Do you know, um, Mashallah, you 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 know, without kind of blowing dust in your face, as they say, but you you've done you've done well, Alhamdulillah. So who's your point of reference on a day-to-day -day basis when you need to check in with somebody or you need a little bit of advice or you just need to kind of talk something through? Who, who do you go to? You don't, maybe it's an individual, maybe it's a collective group, but do you, do you have a place where you can go? I, I don't want to say a specific, again, place. It depends on the topic, okay. on the subject that I need to get. Sure. And I'm surrounded by, everywhere, by, by lots of people and profession and and spiritual leaders and, and friends who give support. And I have the, even my colleague at work, that, our trustees, AMS, I have massive, beautiful colleagues at AMS. I go back to them, especially when it comes to school issues that I'm stuck and I don't know what to do, and especially with yeah. issues of the school and, and knowledge and understanding. They're fantastic, fantastic Good. colleague, AMS. My, as I said, stuff I share. I'm, I'm a quite an open person and I never ever shy to say, well, I'm executive head. I'm not going to ask that person. I don't mind. Yeah. I, even if it was a student, I learn from my students. We yeah. learn from them. So I've never ever seeking knowledge. Never was an issue for me. Who do I seek the knowledge from? I don't really care where the knowledge comes from. As long as I'm learning and and, and benefit, inshallah, I'm learning and I hope what I learn, I benefit other people. I'm not really. So and I've got 
a lot of non-Muslim organizations have teachers. I've got lots of communication. Good. And we've got HR, by the way. The schools has, it, if it's something to do with legal matters and employment matters, we, mm. we have an HR department, obviously, consultant at external. Then I consult them on, on those areas. When it comes to matters on inspection, I, I used to be part, or I'm still part of Section 48 inspection, yeah. so I'm quite used to visit schools and inspect. So I've got that knowledge, but again, I will have a lot of colleagues and there are lots of questions I may not know. Sure. And the last but not the least, Sheikh Google is quite a good one. <laughs> 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 I find him very useful. And we are part of, again, the key, the key for leaders. Yeah. I find the key for leaders fantastic. Um, um, obviously, especially when it comes to policies, to certain questions. And so there are a lot, a lot of resources, not just one or two. Sure, alhamdulillah. 25 years, I keep saying it, mashallah, long time. But is there a moment that sticks out to you where you think, wow, that was a real challenge? You know, that was a real challenging moment in your headship where you had to deal with the situation? Lots of moments. There's one, share one with us. Share one that really stands out. Um, one of the most challenging aspects I found when I started in leadership Two things. One is managing finance. Okay. And secondly, managing staff. Okay. Right. And I would say what? Managing finance, obviously, the head teachers in under MIT is solely responsible for the budget. But but preparing the budget, managing the budget. So I had no financial background of even what does a budget consist of. That was a massive change. So I got alhamdulillah. Gradually, I'm, I said, Alhamdulillah, I think I'm quite good at it at the moment. But when I started, it was a real challenge. And I, um, I attended quite a number of budget training uh, courses on budget. And gradually, um, and again, got support from some colleagues in other schools. What is it like? Just got myself into, I wanted to crack it. I need, really need to know how to manage a budget. That, yeah. was, a, that was a really a great um area where I found that really challenge. Another one was managing staff. And what does it mean managing staff? Remember, yesterday I was in the staff room, a normal teacher, they might call <laughs> department. And honestly, and overnight, I got the title of a, an acting deputy or a deputy head of the school. And then very quickly, very quickly within one year, I became a head of the school. Sure. So those teachers who I have a I eat with them in the staff room and I drink with them in the staff room and the next day I need to bring them to my office and say, excuse me, you can't do that, stop. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Accountability. How am I going to make these people accountable? Yeah. How am I going to... That was a massive... How can I say no? How, how can I distinguish now, hang on, boundaries have to be established yeah. with my role as a friend, yeah. um, as a colleague friend and a line manager. Yeah. That fine line... That was a quite a hurdle for me. And again, you learn. Mm. You learn and you attended loads of courses. I did uh, MPQSL was at that time because I already was a head teacher for so many years. Yeah. So they said you can't be in PQH, you do the, the one that's um, yeah. Yeah, just updated, which I did. It did help, obviously. And gradually, gradually, it becomes just that's it. It becomes a natural part and people, I think it's all about being clear about your expectations. Mm -hmm. And as long as the, 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 the staff and people work with you, they know exactly 
what you expected of them and you consistent of what you do yeah. and you lead by example honestly i to me this is a very important very very important you cannot expect staff um, it's a small example to attend school on time or to behave in a certain manner when you are not following it you can't yeah. do that you can't you you don't tell people do that show them by example do do it people listen to you but honestly people do just what they see yeah. you can say from here to tomorrow something to people and you don't uh, don't um, apply it to yourself it's not going to have an impact this is so such an important exactly. and this is not just about we all leaders I, i believe leadership is distributed yeah there's not one person lead you can't have it's a teamwork and it's that everybody everyone is leader in their own field so it's really interesting right because i agree with that in the model of distributed leadership and as we were talking earlier on i've worked outside of the education sector so i'm used to seeing that model but actually sometimes i struggle to see that in muslim schools often enough often it seems to be kind of allocated to a couple of people and i don't know what it is but it just feels like for whatever reason there isn't that kind of uh, there's a lack of uh, development of you need to develop leaders within the school yeah and build that capacity it's very important you can't so if the head teacher away from the school for a week or two weeks something happened the school collapsed or something wrong with the system yeah 100% agree you with need you. to create leaders within so when you're not in well i run the two schools and i'm not full time in both schools yeah i couldn't agree more with that i th- I, th- I, th- i think yeah. I, i i think that that's a measure of success when you're away and the school operates that's that for me is a measure to suggest that you've done a great job as a leader you you can't micromanage people you mm. need to give people opportunities to develop the leadership 100%. and to take risks when i say risks i mean safe risks obviously yeah of course but that's important that's how you develop them and you need to be there to support them if you make that mistake that's it you've had it you cannot you yeah. need to let them know i'm there to support you and they're bounced obviously things to happen that maybe not to go as it planned yeah it's not the end of the world if it's not done because of a neglect or because of a, obviously um if it, it happened it happened because uh, obviously measures outside your hand. we all make these mistakes and you need to make your staff feel that comfortable about being approachable as well they can come and discuss they can come and approach and you need to support and encourage them and give them the need and reward and acknowledge their achievement very important when i walk around the school in any school classrooms and my eyes spot something really good um, even a display there and then i say what mashallah what a beautiful display i like this and you don't know the impact of that i didn't give them money i didn't give them any uh, um, obviously um, any like um, anything material yeah thing uh, yeah i didn't i only just your words and uh, there and then yeah. you know how much teachers and just students people they appreciate it i walk in the office and i see something i said oh that's a good system i said to the staff oh that's really good i didn't notice that i like this it's fantastic it give people the encouragement yeah. you know what i'm doing something like i'm going to do more i'm going to develop it even more mm. very important the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said aati al-ajira haqqahu qabla an yajiffa araqu give if you have someone to work for you pay them before the sweat is dry doesn't mean even in money even a praise giving them praise 
rewarding achievement. Yeah. Don't wait after one year to say, oh, you know, last year you did this. Yeah, I forgot about it. Now it's gone. Do it there and then. Do it when it's hot. We say that what? Something on the iron when it's hot, you say, what? Strike it while it's... Yeah, while it's really there. And that's it. And it's when you get that effect and impact straight away. And believe me, those stuff will go back to the classroom and they do the same to their students. No, definitely. They learn, yeah. learn off you. So tell me about a time, sister, where, again, maybe recent times or... or Can I give you another challenge if I thought about it? Go on then, tell Parents. me. Parents. Oh, Okay. <laughs> I want to say it in a positive way. Lift your microphone. If you'd like to find out more about what Murabiyun does, jump onto our website, murabiyun.com. SubhanAllah in Islam, there is so diversity still within Islam. It's quite, it's quite great. Yeah. With culture, with different uh, school of thoughts. Yeah. And, um, and again, generation. So working with parents and you sometimes, when I started, especially at the girls' school, being a girls' school again, there's so many, many parents' restrictions. They can't do this, they can't do this. They can't take them trips outside. You can't. And I'm, I am not one of those people of the opinion of, no, women can't do this and can't do this. Mm. I think, and I, and I know that we are all equal in the eye of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whatever we do, as long as we do it within the boundaries of Islam yeah. and, and within and the women are safe because safety is a major aspect. If we, if that is, if that is guaranteed, there's nothing to stop women are doing activities or going here and there, provided that it's done properly. I had a lot, a lot of issues with many parents to start with. What resisting? Resistance of allowing girls to do anything here and there, and and Subhanallah, that was a massive hurdle, and it's gone. It's gone. Alhamdulillah. We, mashallah, crowd, we have. The girls and the boys, obviously, but, that's, uh, but the boys, uh, the girls' school, mashallah, when you think about trips abroad, this is an ongoing, including Umrah trip, we take them. Mashallah. Duke of Edinburgh, we were the first, the first girls' school in the north, Muslim, Muslim girls' school in the north of UK to, to, take the, to, uh, to let girls um, take part in Duke of Edinburgh. And we, we actually won an award by Prince Philip. We went to St. James Palace, myself and the head of PE a few years ago. He gave us an award and he came next to me and he said to me, how did you manage to get those parents to let the girls go for expedition? <laughs> I said, well, your uh, highness, I said, remember that we're dealing now with 21st generation's parents who are very proud to be Muslim and British. Yeah. He said, I like this. And uh, yes, and our girls, mashallah, wherever. And I have to say, equal about the boys, the, the reason I'm emphasizing on the girls, because the different expectations with the yeah, Muslims about yeah, them. Within our community. But mashallah, we have girls. They, are, they leave school proud to be Muslims, proud to be British. They're ready to contribute positively to the British society. And, and they, Islam is their priority in everything they do. And, that's, and the, you get feedback about how articulate how confident these young ladies. And you get feedback from their colleges and universities, how proud they are to have students like them. And that's what we want. We want to change the myths about Islam and Muslims. Alhamdulillah. There's a massive misunderstanding and surrounding, especially around, honestly, women. And it's, we have to prove them wrong, not by blabbing about it, by showing them examples of those young people who come to the British society and proud to be British, proud to be Muslims at the same mm. time. No, I couldn't agree more. You know, we, ha we have to show by example. Yeah. We were talking about this earlier on, about us doing more 
to demonstrate and show what we're doing. And, and that's one thing I think we really struggle with. So mashallah, in and amongst all the challenges, there's got to be some highlights. There's got to be some achievements. And I'm sure there's loads. I'm sure there's loads. One that stands out to you. When I say teachers are very bad, when you ask them, tell me one positive achievement you've done. You observe a lesson, and the first thing you ask them, tell me one thing went well in the lesson. Yeah. Then they say, I should have concentrated in the group. I said, hang on, stop. This is not a positive. And they have, and you can highlight 10 positive to them. They overlook it and they look at their development. Yeah. So that's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> One highlight that stands out to you during your time as, um, as, a, as a head teacher, as an executive head. I'm very proud to be part of the achievements that the three schools have reached where they were and where they are now overall stand with. They start with both academically and Islamically. Even academically, um, both the boys' school and the girls' school, good with outstanding features, uh, the boys' and the prep school, the girls' school, alhamdulillah, has managed to gain an outstanding amount of state in the past three inspections. Mashallah. So what happens the next one, Allahu alam, we don't know, but uh, that's academically. I'd have to see, I have to see at the moment, especially that I have to say that executive head role, um, I am so proud of the, of honestly, with the work that we as a team have done to, to bring consistency across the three schools. One of the, I could see now after four years in that role, the fourth year, how the three schools had, have came together. And to the extent we share staff, something that it wasn't um, even negotiable. In the oh, past. wow. Every head said, no, we don't want to. And, and people didn't want to meet from the department. But now, no, even financially, we have a one financial manager to oversee. We've got three different bases. Brilliant. One financial manager. We have, yeah, oversee. We have the share, the share of sharing of staff, sharing of resources. Policies and procedures have been consistent across, now across the three schools, every single policy. They are the same, except for obviously the, the, the gender and the yeah, age of yeah. the children, certain, obviously. But otherwise, we used to have all different policies, different. And that, has, again, has made the trust as the overseer of the whole um, organization. I think um, their role has, I hope, inshallah, has become a lot more easier. So I became kind of a massive support to them. It was their role to make sure that they do this. And that's difficult with. Voluntary people who have got so you, you've trust. become that kind of intermediary between the yes, trust and yes, the, yes, yes. the objectives has, that they're trying has, to. Honestly, it developed people along. It developed absolutely, and again, it developed my role as uh, obviously my leadership. Obviously, qualities of leadership has massively developed. I've learned so much just being rather being just um, really. In one school, they're sitting down in one school and looking at <laughs> it. Open it, kind of opened my eyes more about other things. I got me out of the box. Yeah. Let me tell you, it really got me out of the box. And now you have three schools, and not and then you develop personally, and you develop professionally and personally massively. And when you develop yourself, inshallah, hopefully that you you hope that you develop in people as yeah. well. And I could see that. I I see this. Even like performance management, there's a lot of areas. CPD has massively improved across the three schools. We use the same system. So systems and procedures that brought the schools together 
and that makes the school obviously move in the same direction rather than every one of them trying to compete with one. It's not a competition. It's working together. It's not a competition anymore. M-I-E-T schools, they are they're all under one umbrella and they all look at, and whenever we think about one school, we look at the other two schools. Yeah. Really so good. it's not me and, and them, it is us. Yep. And that's to me is a massive, massive, massive step on developing and moving forward. Brilliant, mashallah. Okay. Is there a moment with a student, an experience with a student that stands out? Again, specific. That's a, that's a difficult one, but again, um, there's one there's one sticks in my mind. Always. Go for it. I always use it as an example. It happened a long time ago in the girls' school. Long, long time ago, maybe 19 something. And we were in a, on an annual walk. We do take the school, the whole school for an annual walk down okay. the river for about three miles. And during the walk, um, I told one of the students off. I thought she's doing something at the time being um, obviously not great misconduct. And I really told her off. And I told her off in front of everyone. That's totally unacceptable. Anyway, by the time we were walking back, it has come to my attention that actually it wasn't her. She hasn't done what I thought she'd done. Okay. And it really upset me. We absolutely upset me. We walked back towards, uh, towards the end of lesson six and I asked the whole school, I wanted to have um, five minutes assembly, whole school. It was Friday and I gathered the whole school and I, I went on the stage and I said, um, I, I've just called you staff and students. I said, I called you because I, uh, I owe an apology to somebody here and I'd like to apologize to our students. And I said, um, I called the name of the students because when I told her off, I told her off in front of everybody. Yeah. And I didn't want to do it in my office. I said, the same crowd that I spoke, I wanted to do it this, exactly the same. And I mm. called her. And I said, I just wanted to say from the bottom of my heart, I'm so sorry. I was mistaken when I really, um, when I wrongly accused you of doing something you were not doing. Mm. And I'm really, really apologize. Will you forgive me? Mm. She cried. Wow, she cried and she made me cry. Um, uh, you learn, you learn about it. And again, I've, I've, I was a lot younger, and I have learned that even if she, even and, and honestly, even if she did that mistake, maybe could have dealt with it differently. Yeah, could have called her. Do you know you learn this? You yeah, learn. And um, on when we had the staff, the next staff, me and the staff was saying they were just shocked that I did this. I said, look. If we lead by example, we lead by example. I said, I do that to my own children. Mm. I said, if I, if I mistakenly did something wrong to my own children, I would not hesitate to ask apologizing to them. I said, I've never walked in my children's room without knocking and asking uh, the permission, can I walk in? And I can't walk in any time. But again, mm. I respect, I have to respect. If we wanted to gain respect of our students who are younger, we have to give them that respect. Yeah. And it's some, it always took my mind. And by the way, I'm still in touch with that student. At home. But by the way, on the following week, her parents brought a bunch of flowers to school just to say thank you. I said, I don't need you to thank me. He said, no, we do because we've never seen that before. This is something quite to us. It was unique. Yeah. She came home very emotional. And subhanAllah, I still have a very strong relationship with her. She's very old at the moment. Obviously, she's much older than she was. 
But it's just something that's a beautiful it's story. It's always stuck in my head, and I'm, I always use it. I, for, now on, if I wanted to tell the staff something about relationship with students and about it takes a, it takes it takes yeah. a lot it takes a lot to really recognize that you've made a mistake, and and you know within our culture as well, um, some of the challenges of you know elders and youngsters and and you know it's difficult it's it not easy difficult. and uh, i really like what you just said there about you know showing them due respect because you know you when you treat people you know you they're going to respond to it exactly people are not going to respect you if you don't get, give it first give it first and you will receive it uh, another one but a funny one I was teaching mathematics to a year eight group. And again, I was just the beginning in the girls' school at my teaching. So I, again, my, my understanding of the English, um, some of the words that could have double of meaning, like have a break, what is a break when you break something? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but I, I walked into the classroom and on the board, there was the, the kids wrote, the girls wrote, Mrs. Muhammad, you are a wicked teacher. And I oh. looked at the word wicked. Wicked to me is like somebody bad. Yep. I don't, I don't know this abbreviation that the kids use. <laughs> the, the, and I looked at it and I looked at them and they got a bit scared. They were all sure. And I said to them, who wrote this in the board? And the kids were quiet. They realized, oh, they, they are in trouble. I said, no, please. I said to them, I just want to understand. Why did you think I'm a wicked person? What have I done to me? I said, please tell me. Because I was quite upset. <laughs> I really took it literally. At the end. When one of them had to put her hand up and said, Miss, because we really love you. I said, excuse me, how do you love somebody that is wicked? <laughs> so the kids laughed. And they said, Miss, you know that wicked, you wicked. That means good. <laughs> then obviously, I've, I went and shared it with the, with the staff and they were laughing. And I could give uh, you so many examples about words I used to understand them. <laughs> so, 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 so if somebody said to you, Miss Mohammed, you're a sick teacher. What does that oh, mean? Oh, yes, I know now. Oh, now, now you're with the lingo. Yes, yes. yes. MashaAllah. <laughs> Now you, now you, <laughs> now nobody can get one over on you. Alhamdulillah, that's good. Um, just a few more questions about your experience in terms of being in headship and as a leader. What's been the lowest point? Again, just just something that comes to mind specific. A real low point during your time. Challenges when I which challenge? Um, the most of it is financial challenge, right? And staffing issues. Um, you want to do things, but you can't do it. You're physically tired, can't do it. Yeah. And that really, really, absolutely pull me down because I know how can I fix something. But give me an example of one. Give me a time when you thought, okay, you know what? That's 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 really that's been really tough, difficult. You know, you felt emotional. When about I it. lose good staff because they it, because they uh, secure jobs elsewhere, and you just find out last minute dot com, and you don't blame people. They're fantastic staff, and you they've been with you for a while. You develop them. You help them to develop themselves. You see, that's it. I've got the head of department now. That department sorted and and. Suddenly, three, four of them at one year. That was a long time, obviously, ago. They decided secure jobs in schools, newly, new established schools. And they leave and go, and you feel like, what am I going to do now? 
And that happened towards just as you finishing the school. And then I spent the whole summer rather than looking for a holiday to go to relax, is how am I going to recruit new teachers? And honestly, this is tough. SubhanAllah. This is very, very tough. And I'm sure I am not the only one. Yeah. This is low point for, I think, vast majority of our Muslim schools. Yeah. When do you lose staff? Because, yes, you, you, it's very hard. And there's no really solution to it. Yeah. There's no solution to it. To date, what can we do? It's a struggle. Shall Allah make it easy for us? Another one, I tell you, tough ones is uh, anything to do with uh, really with um, with allegations being made against staff. Any type of allegation, anything to do with staff and allegations, the relationship with students and things doesn't go well. Mm. Complaints being made about against staff, and then you're torn between you want to support your staff. Yeah. But you want to obviously listen to the parents, their concern, and to the child. And making tough decisions like this, um, another one which attached to it is disciplinary. Mm. When situations arises, when you have to discipline a member of staff, not because you want to discipline, you don't have choice, another choice by to, to take them through disciplinary. Sure. It is very, very, it's really, really very tough. Very tough. Same when you exclude a child or you have a, making a decision about a future of a child in the school. They're not easy decisions, these. And these are the things that really brings my morale absolutely down because I hate to lose a child or to have an impact on a child's education because you know when they leave here what could happen to that child, but sometimes you don't have choices. And the same if you follow a certain, obviously, um, policies and procedures, and you know that that child, a teacher could lose their job because of silly thing that, that whatever it is. These feelings are very difficult and really, really, honestly, are very hard, very hard to deal with. If you want a head teacher in this school or an executive head teacher, which role would you like to have? Oh, that's a good question. Whose job here would you want to have? Who job would I want to have here? Farah. <laughs> SMSC, serious. Mashallah. Yeah. SM if you're listening, watch out. I, I'm sorry, Farah. But I, I love, yeah. Anything to do with people. Alhamdulillah. PTFA, I would, yeah. I'd like to be, if I wasn't even, if I was working outside and I've got charter school, I'd like to be a member of PTFA, parents, teacher, and friends of the school association. So I could contribute something to do with people, a yeah. charity. I'd like to be one of the charity organization, um, maybe volunteer. So I do something, yeah, yes. Anything that would go back to the society yeah. to benefit, I do. I will. So that leads me nicely on social to, worker. If thing. if you weren't a head teacher or working in the school in education, what would you do? What do you think you'd do if you weren't in education? So if we could go back mm -hmm. several years, let's not be specific, and you were starting out mapping your career. Several years back. I never wanted to be a teacher. This was not my intention ever. Yeah. My, my, I have a passion about language, okay. languages, and French in particular. And I did so well in my A-levels in French. And I, I applied for university so that I go to something called Al-Alsin College okay. in Cairo. I am 
from seven hours down the River Nile away from Cairo in a small uh, town. When I put my application, they ask you for three, you put three, like, uh, what do you call it, um, um, options. Yeah. Number one, first, second, and third. My first one was obviously the one, uh, the, 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 the Alliston College I wanted to do in, in Cairo. And second one, I can't remember, it was probably, if not this, I'd like to be a doctor. So I bought three, three different ones. And I got, I did very well in A-levels. And then um, you give them to your parents, they send them away on your behalf, and then you wait and you get a reply to say which, which one was guaranteed. And when they came back, they came, um, the University of Science and Education. I went to my dad and I said, where is the University of Science and Education came? I never even put it as an option. <laughs> well, my dad has changed my options. I didn't put the first, yes. And that university actually was the first university was built in my own town, okay. around the corner from my house. That was the only one. And he never wanted me to go away. And being a head teacher himself, he thought, and I was so upset at that time with my dad. Mm. I don't want to be a teacher. What he did said, you want to be? I said to you, I wanted to do a language and do something with the language. An interpreter, probably. Oh, okay. Interpreter, yeah. And I loved the science. I said, I could have done, I wanted to, if no, I don't, I'd love to be a doctor. I don't mind so I could help people. But teaching was not one of my, really. It's really I, interesting because, you know, this is something quite common, speaking to different people, that yeah. they kind of fell into it. It wasn't, it wasn't planned. And if you ask me now, I say, I was born to be a teacher. Seriously. <laughs> I make dua for my dad all the time, all the time. And I say to him, may Allah, even when he was alive, I used to say how much I, I appreciate that he made that choice for me. Mm. And at the time, I didn't appreciate it at the time. But once I started to do my teaching practice, I, I got into it. Then I started to really like, oh, subhanAllah, and um, I worked in the university. And in that university that I entered, my husband was... Um, a new teacher in that university taught me physics. Um, and we got engaged after one year. Well, so I finished my education after four years and we got married. So if I didn't go to this university, I would never, and I would never have met Muhammad. I would never got married to him. And, and uh, Alhamdulillah, I mean, Allah planned things for a reason. And I'm, I'm grateful to my parents that they did what they did. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So last question about your kind of motivations and your experiences of being a head teacher. What motivates you to carry on now? Because mashallah, you've you've done you've uh, let's let's say you've done your years of service, right? Let's yeah, uh -huh. let's 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 Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. So what what's what's motivating you to carry on? Why why not just kind of relax and mashallah you've got the grandkids and holidays you and know what? I, I belong here. I really belong here. It's, it become part of you. I think it become part of you. I think about the schools. I, I, I dream about the schools. It's part of my family. And I feel if I am not doing this role, honestly, honestly, like I've lost, I've lost. A big part of you. A big part. It's it's very very hard, and I it, it motivates me honestly. I think every day I think what I'm going to do next day. Yeah, I need to do this. So I'm quite at the moment. Alhamdulillah, I'm quite motivated, and unless I lose this motivation and I can't physically and mentally carry out, 
then خلاص قدر الله يعني I have to obviously accept it. الحمد لله. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the school and let's focus where we are today in KD grammar. Okay, um, we could quite easily talk about the three schools, but let's talk about this school specifically. Inshallah, if Allah wills and I get the opportunity, then we'll visit the other schools Please. and we'll, we'll talk. So, in 45 seconds, what is KD grammar about? Um, you just wasted three seconds. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, <laughs> I just wanted to say it's. Um, it is a beautiful, honestly, it's a beautiful educational, spiritual environment where children are nurtured very, very well cared and loved and supported both spiritually and Islamically to prepare those children, not just for the life beyond school, but for the life after, inshallah. inshallah. Hopefully that those children would live here as confident young British Muslims who develop, inshallah, I don't want to say fully, but the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their heart and the, obviously the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So they carry this forward wherever they go. Alhamdulillah, I really like that. There's obviously a lot of people involved in the running of the school. Um, and alhamdulillah, you know, I was really well looked after, really was, mashallah, um, when, I, when I walked into the school. And there's a lot of staff across all the schools. But tell me a little bit about the people and the staff who, who, are, who are part and parcel of this school. What role do they actually play? And what value do you, do you feel they contribute towards the school? Can I just say that um, although the three schools are Muslim schools, does not necessarily mean that the staff at the schools are from the same faith as the school. Okay. No. Um, I'll leave the prep school when you go there. You can talk about, particularly let me talk about the boys' school and the girls' school. Roughly about 40 to 60%, 40% from, from different faith or no faith. Mm. And the staff, to tell you the truth, the success of any of our schools, I think first and foremost to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, obviously, but and then honestly the staff of the school. It's not about one person, as I said, you leading. We, mm. we, it's the environment, the atmosphere, the support, the relationship that staff have with each other and their love and honesty, their love for education staff, they don't come to work in our establishments because they get a higher salary. That's not an issue. They come to work here because they absolutely love the environment and those of different faith and non-faith respect the school ethos, support the school ethos to, uh, I can't tell you to how, how much they do that on a day-to-day -day basis. They are the backbone of our establishments. Alhamdulillah. And that bond and relationship, that honesty, that what makes this establishment move forward is because of its staff, beautiful combination of staff. The diversity among staff is massive. So it's a massive learning curve for all of us. Absolutely massive. We're all from so much different backgrounds, so many. It must be nice. It must culture, be nice. Culture, it's not just faith and culture, obviously. So, and this is something we celebrate. We always celebrate the diversity in our, across our schools. Have different culture days where we celebrate it and obviously sell it, market it. So we're not very good at marketing ourselves and showing what we do. Yeah. But we do do this in our schools. Can I ask you a really difficult question? Okay. You've been asking so many difficult <laughs> questions. No, but this might be a difficult one. And I'm nervous about asking it. But I think, mashallah, you'll do justice to it. 
how is it challenging or, or or not to have a team that consists of muslim and non-muslim staff what kind of what kind of other pressures does that put on you if any at all none i am a great believer that the combination that makes the success of the school you've got 10 members of staff, five are Muslim, five are not Muslim, and you're, you're, you've got an inset day and you're talking to them about nurturing and tarbiyah and, and what have you. But having to explain the, the Islamic values that this school upholds yeah. to a Muslim versus to a non-Muslim, what are the challenges, if any? I don't see challenges in our schools, to be honest. We do have... Uh, an Islamic induction booklet that we revise every year and mm. that has got basics of Islam and Muslims and expectation, things about the pillars of Islam, and a lot yep. of different things yeah, about our religion to just to explain to them so they understand and it's delivered by our, obviously, um, our, our spiritual team in the to make sure and when the uh, part of our induction, staff induction, we have staff, any, more, any new member of staff attend they do have up to six months induction where during this induction part of it is Islamic induction where they have obviously our spiritual lead on a one-to-one -one basis. Oh, okay. We are, yes, yes, meet them. So is that for Muslim and non-Muslim? Uh, yeah, yeah, for Muslims and Muslims. Oh, wow, absolutely have, nice. Yes. And uh, I'll send you something. Every single day in briefing, we have morning briefings, the first thing we start in briefing is thought of the day. So we have a thought of the day prepared for the whole year and it's the same across the three schools, by the way, I read in the morning. And we choose themes and the purpose of the thought of the day, it could be an ayah, it could be hadith, it could be a quote, Islam quote, it could be something about adab manas. And again, you use opportunity for Ramadan, it's all about Ramadan, if Eid, about mm. Eid, if Christmas is about our views about this. And we very quite try our best to be very sensitive when we explain certain things to our non-Muslims, so we don't offend them, we're not here to offend them really yeah. or anything, but they need to understand our, our thoughts, yeah, where are we coming from. And we will always have great respect to their beliefs. Uh, again, that's Lakum Jinukum Yadin. But they, they know that while they work in our school premises, we do expect them to have a great support to the ethos. Yeah. There is always, we have an openness amongst us. If there is a question they don't understand, even like our curriculum, our, we have a cross curricular uh, SMSC in every subject. And every subject have to look at their curriculum and tell me if they, what's the spiritual aspects in your curriculum oh, and wow. yes and how are you going to develop that whether you history geography maths english and and the spiritual team support them brilliant especially if the leader of the subject is from a different um, um so you've got a nice support system in we place have a very support system great and again you you have the salah you have the masjid in the school yeah i saw and let me talk about kids in the girls school as well have juma and our non-muslim staff during, during the Jum'ah time, during the Salah time, they go in the mosque, those because the other ones are praying, they sit down so they can observe the children and see. And it's an opportunity for them to listen to the khutbah, to listen to what's said. And hopefully, inshallah, that's, this is all an awareness. This is increasing yeah, awareness. And the, honestly, you won't, don't be surprised when I tell you, when they write letters to parents, they started with, Assalamu alaikum parents, I hope you are well, inshallah. Wassalam. This is beautiful. Wow. Uh, let us talk about the girls' school. You see our non-Muslims have, excuse me, Amna, your hijab, could you please tuck your hair inside? That's lovely. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry, wow. honestly. You might get Muslim stuff even though sometimes yeah, addresses. Of course, of course. 
then they get developed. And when you talk to them about the ethos, we give them opportunities to ask any question they want to ask. Yeah. Dress code, they have the respect very well. They understand, we respect their beliefs about dress code. We explain ours. We never force anyone obviously to wear mm. hijab, whether um, a, a Muslim or non-Muslim, that's something obviously up to them. But there's a certain expectation of a dress code. And we've never really had a challenge about it. Okay. And one of the things when, especially non-Muslim staff are leaving, one of the things they say, I really enjoyed being in a Muslim school. And it has, it has made me develop a better understanding of Muslims than what I used to know uh, from the media before I came here. So it's a kind of another da'wah that you make. Yeah, definitely. And mashallah, the environment, Eid, we have Eid parties in the school. And the Eid parties, everybody contributes to Eid party. And the non-Muslim teachers, they prepare activities for their forms and the same. And they know when Christmas comes, it's not something we will celebrate in this. But they respect that very, very yeah. well. And they know the reason we don't promote it because we don't want these young people to get mixed up. They are just a bit in their development. They're still their spiritually developing and understanding their own. If we're going to start to confuse them, it's different. We teach religious studies. We teach Islamic studies, Quran, Arabic, and religious studies. And religious studies, we teach the other beliefs other than Muslims. Yeah. So they are exposed to what other people believes so they can develop respect. We do GCCRS, so we do the one, the, the Islam and Christianity. So they have an opportunity to study Christianity point yeah. of views at, at depth and discuss it. And mashallah, bowlers, to compare it to their own as well. So that strengthened the, the children's, obviously, uh, uh, understanding of their own religious and practice. We have Interfaith Week. And yeah. in Interfaith Week, oh, it's a massive week and the school. We celebrate and we take them. They go and visit the synagogue, they go and visit the, 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 um, the Hindu uh, temple, they go to the Gudwara temple, they go. They can see what other people celebrate and then appreciate their own and respect other. So that respect is very important to us and, it's a, and I believe we do have that mutual respect across our schools, alhamdulillah. If I said to you, sister, I'm moving to Manchester, and I wouldn't mind, actually, because there's a football team here that I really like. Um, and I was looking for a school for my little daughter. Why should I send her to here and not any other primary school or any other school in this locality? Well, I, I would say your little daughter sent her to the Muslim prep school. Okay. And if you're talking about um, mainstream school, I would say, number one, because you want your daughter, obviously, to strengthen her own faith, to, to be feel comfortable in an environment where she belongs, mm. and at the same time, to learn how to respect people from different faith and different backgrounds. Because again, we don't lock the children behind the door. Our extracurricular activities beyond the gate of the school is massive across the three schools, absolutely. And you can look at our newsletters that it speaks for itself. You walk, the minute you walk into the prep school, the minute you walk into the prep, and inshallah, you will see that. You're surrounded by beautiful young kids run towards you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And they chat to you, they talk to you. You go to the classrooms and you see the knowledge and understanding. And you say, mashallah, you go to salah time and you see those little girls running, putting their hijabs <laughs> and coming to pray in the boys. And the Jum'ah, you see the preferring the Jum'ah at the schools. And as a Muslim, they will never have this opportunity in other schools. Yeah. They will never have it. They will be allowed, if they want to wear a hijab, they wear it. If you want to pray, they give you a place where 
But the school environment, as a Muslim environment, this is something they will not get. And I'd have to say, again, academically, I believe they both have to go hand in hand. And it is the school that uh, really massive support um, academically and spiritually, and that applies to the boys and the girls. And I, I don't believe that boys, it's important for, for girls to go to Muslim school and boys are not, I think, equally the same. Okay. If KD grammar wasn't around, would anyone miss it? Yes. Why? Because what KD uh, grammar school offer, obviously, the who had a taste of what KD grammar like, and those who graduated, they will say, really, no school. Uh, the first thing that I, when I meet our former students, those who used to be so naughty and can't wait to leave the gates, and they, mashallah, now very, very contributing positive to research. I said, tell me, boys, do you miss KD? Miss, we do. <laughs> what do you miss KD the most? And I say that always. Miss Salah, the Adham, the Jum'ah prayer, the greeting of the staff, Salam. Wallahi, brother, everything they mention is around the ethos. Alhamdulillah. Around the ethos. Education, you'll get it anywhere you go. And you could get, and I'm not saying, you could get higher education and more resources elsewhere, mm. but you would not get that feature of. And I meet young men and young women outside, and they, I see them bringing their children. We have children of KD and MIGHG graduates and the prep school. They used to be our students, and now they bring their own children here. Alhamdulillah. How much more you want? Yeah. That's, and that's, those who don't bring it up, finance isn't always obviously an issue, but that's how much more. Yeah. That says something about it, obviously. What's the, um, what would you, as the head of the school, leader of the school, say is, is the experience for a student in this school? So if we had a student come and sit down here and I was to ask them, what's your, what's your experience like in this school? What do you think they would say? We already do this exercise, by the way, let me tell you. We have something called SLT uh, Coffee Morning with Students. We hold it every month. And our SLT team, myself and uh, my other three colleagues, we randomly from each form, we do one for year uh, seven and eight, one from eight and nine, and one from year 11. And randomly every month, out of a stick, out of a hat, the teachers pick three students from every form mm. to make a 12 and we sit down, they come in the library, so everybody had equal opportunity to come and meet the leadership yep. team. And we offer them breakfast, made breakfast at school. They love it, by the way. The I boys, love it as well. The boys, and food, <laughs> and the boys love the food, by the way. That's so right. they come, and um, we introduce ourselves as team, and we ask them about what do they think, what does SLT mean, and then we ask them about their opinion about KD, and what's the most thing they like about KD. Hmm. And I would have to say, common across all, the first thing come, they say, Miss I am more stronger in my faith than I was. Oh, the wow. Quran, miss. The RS. The, 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 the Salah in the school. That's always the first thing that comes from them. And then they start to mention academically the staff and the relationship and the extracurricular activities and the other things. But wallahi, brother, and I have notes of these meetings and I'm happy to give you access. And I, would like <laughs> no, to I don't read. want access. No. Yeah, have a look and read. What Alhamdulillah. We publish it, actually. We publish some quotes on our Facebook, and that's the first thing the kids recognize. Still, it is about their deen. Alhamdulillah. And it so makes you nice. One of the things that when visitors come to school, or they come, and especially the Muslim visitors, and you ask them about their impression when they're leaving. What's the most thing impressed you when you come here? They said the number of salams. I am a foreigner. I'm really a stranger to school. 
and the student don't know me. Assalamu alaikum, sir. Assalamu alaikum, miss. How are you? Salam, 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 all the way through. Oh my God, how much? Yeah. This is beautiful. Alhamdulillah. And we take it for granted. We don't acknowledge it until it comes. Yeah. Somebody else from external come and say that to you. Beautiful. Now, you know, in just the little time that I had when I walked around the school, I, I did I did feel the Islam uh, element of the school coming across in just the display work and just the just the conduct. I mean, the kids were doing exams anyway, but just just a few things that I saw was really nice, actually, alhamdulillah. Sister, just one, one, one final question about the actual school itself. What is, what is the perception that the local community has of this school? You know, what, what, would they, what would they say of the school if I was to ask a, a random person on the street? I, I hope and I believe they will say they are nice, polite boys. They behave quite well. Generally, they mm. behave quite well. They are respectable or respectful of people, the public, people outside. They helpful, yeah, and they look very smart. Mashallah. If you if you ask me about the Muslim community in Manchester, when you mention KD or you mention, you will have mixed. I'm honestly, I have to say, you will have mixed. The vast majority, they will say, beautiful. My son went there, had best time, and I could see now, did it, and they read highlights. And those who may have not a very positive experience at the school, no, not send your child there. My child wasn't happy at the school. And that could be a child, maybe could be excluded, something could happen with the parents. Things that, that does happen. So you have yeah, a mixed, you do have, a, you could get a mix, but the vast majority will speak very positive. And I have to say that KD profile within the community has, has been, alhamdulillah, has been lifted um, a lot, a lot, a lot higher than it used to be. Okay, alhamdulillah. Because again, you need to improve systems inside. When systems and marketing about the school is improved, then I'm sure the image that goes out is a lot more positive image. There are, there are a, lot, a lot of parents, a lot of, I have to say, community, they might think he's a madrasa. This is like a madrasa until they come to know KD uh, closer. Then they say, oh, that's, we were wrong. Yeah. That is not the case, how it is. Yeah. If you'd like to participate in the Murabiyun show, why not get in contact? It's as simple as going to our website, murabiyun.com, and filling out this simple form. Mashallah, that leads on quite nicely, actually, because... The next segment and really the final segment of the podcast is talking about Islamic schools in general. So not specifically KD Grammar or the Muslim yeah. schools, but just, and I know, mashallah, you're part of the AMS Shura and alhamdulillah, a, a well-known figure, mashallah, in the Islamic schooling scene across the UK and possibly abroad as well. What is an Islamic school, sister? What is an Islamic school? When people think I'm going to send my child or I'm going to work or I'm going to support an Islamic school, what is an Islamic school? Because like you, like you said, you know, you have some people thinking it's a, it's a, it's a madrasa. What is an Islamic school? My personal yeah. uh, view about an Islamic and a Muslim school. Okay. Right? Interesting. I call them Islamic school, but some people think I'm sending my child to a Muslim school a place where the, the children are Muslims, mm. so they are protected. They learn Quran, whether it's Hafs and Tafsir, and um, they learn some cultural aspects 
about parents, about here about being try to be a good character, good Muslim, um, but not necessarily live Islam, use Islam as a way of living. Islam, I don't see Islam as a religion like other religions. I mm. see Islam as a way as a way of life as it was sent to us uh, to the Prophet through the Quran and through his practice, through the Sunnah of the Prophet, Prophet and his followers. This is how I see Islam. I don't see Islam in, in a school when I walk into a school and I see on the walls the 99 names of Allah there and and it's to me it's the practicality. Where does he, when you said I walked in and I felt the Islamic the environment is a Muslim school. Mm. So Muslim school is you need to live Islam as much as you can. Nurture Islam. Mm. Tarbiya. It's about tarbiya. The tarbiya al-Islamiya. What is tarbiya? Tarbiya is how do you nurture those children so that they develop an understanding of their own beliefs, their own religion. They develop the love. To me, it's the develop of the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Understanding of the Quran and how do you apply this on your day-to-day life. You're not going to achieve this in the secondary school, by the way, by the end of it. But you start it. You plant the seed. You plant the seed. And I believe if you plant the seed correctly and you looked after that seed well, Inshallah, the fruit is going to be good. Inshallah. You cannot look at the product and say, why the product is... Look at the, the, the root. It's about the root. Mm. And I see Islamic schools planting the roots and looking after it throughout, nurturing it during, throughout the children's education in the school. So when they leave, as I said, it, it's about identity. Mm. Who am I? Who, am I Muslim? What does it mean to me? Do I live... Do I live my life as Muslim to please? Who am I pleasing? Do I mm. please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How much do you love and trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Like our, at the moment, like our, this theme for, um, for the morning briefing, or the, by the way, the morning briefing is passed on to students as well in the form time. So they start the day with the thought of the day. Yeah. And every Friday, Surah Kaf is read in the classrooms and that, that obviously. Mm. So it's about at tawakkul Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like today, the quote from this morning in particular, or the reflection this morning, it was about when you feel that you are in trouble and you have, you have something that is not easy and hardship, you find it easy to run to a friend and, and actually pour all your problems and share your problems with that person to give you a relief. That relief could be a temporary relief. You have the salah five times a day. You, you might not physically see Allah in front of your eyes, but he's there. Talk to him. Through through your, we say, your load on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Trust him that inshallah, inshallah. he will help you to, to raise that burden. That bit of building that relationship between you and Allah and develop that trust and tawakkul is, it's a massive, it's a massive, massive um, focus point. When we deal in pastoral system, when we deal with the children and sanction and reward, we try our best to, rel- to relate to, to Islam. Islam. Right? What does the Prophet say about this? You did something wrong. You stole whatever it is. Why shouldn't you steal? Because mm. it's not good morality. So I said, yes, it's not good morality. Still, but again, what, the, what did the Allah and the Prophet say about those who steal? What happens? Why? Why should you relate it? Same with reward. Why are you rewarded? And you give examples. And gradually, gradually, you're building it. Those kids then mentally become, 
everything would be just revolve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and your own belief. So you know quite a few of the things that you've just mentioned there. Do you think Muslim schools, Islamic schools, are built upon those foundations? The Muslim schools in the UK? I'd like to believe that, but I don't think it is. It varies from one school to another. Okay. For various reasons, I'm not blaming him. No, that's fine. I'm sure the intention, but I would have to say, when we talk about Islamic school, we need to take, sorry, culture, kind of. We need to be very careful about what's culture and what is Islam, Islamic. Because sometimes they both are mixed. And then you make what is not haram, haram, because culture, you can't do it, then it becomes a haram yeah. and vice versa. What is haram is haram, what is halal is halal, and what is in between them is all clear in Islam. Yeah. If there's something unclear, may Allah reward all the scholars because they did ishtihad to explain it in their own. So again, there are, whether mm -hmm. some makruh or muhabbab, that's absolutely fine, but the halal and haram, absolutely, there are clear guidelines. And I see and I hear things sometimes. You hear, you hear honestly, you hear like expressions, this is haram, excuse me. Someone said that, I said, oh, if someone says something haram, what delil, what proof you have from the Quran or the Sunnah? Mm. And when you say the Sunnah, it has to be an authentic hadith. Yeah, yeah. Where otherwise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, those who, who, who say on my behalf things that is not, I haven't said, mm. this haram, you mm. can't do that. And I have seen that. I've seen, honestly, some schools have massive cultural issues. And the reason they, they don't do things or do things the belief that this other is haram and halal. And I, I can't justify it. Is there really a need for Islamic schools? Yes, of course. 900, there's about 950,000 or a million Muslim, young Muslims in the UK. And 50,000 approximately go to Muslim schools and the remainder yes. go to mainstream schools. So is there really a need? I think yes, I still believe there is Why? a need. Those who can't, obviously, those... Unfortunately, who can't send their children. And I'm not saying that every Muslim school um, become an, a scholar and every child doesn't attend a Muslim school and Muslim. No, that is not the case. I know lots of children don't attend Muslim schools. And mashallah, the nurture at home, the tarbiyah at home, help them a lot. Mm. Help those children, obviously, to, alhamdulillah, to verify themselves in mm. their religion to be good. But having it is a bonus. It's a great bonus. It's an advantage, but can you imagine? The, look at these Muslim schools, that the free schools. And what stops parents? You say there's only 50,000 because they're all fee-paying school. You're talking about fee-paying school. Mm. And that's a massive, massive burden. If these schools became free of charge, of course, same as other, other religion schools, Catholic school, Jewish school, they all, they, they, they help those of that belief to obviously develop a better understanding yeah. of their own belief and obviously practice it. So, of course, uh, of course, it is very important. We spoke earlier on about some of the challenges in Muslim schools, okay? And my question was going to be to you, what are the, the biggest challenges that Muslim schools have today? And you spoke earlier on about finance, finance recruiting. recruiting. That's, that's really yeah. a massive challenge, leadership. Leadership. Yeah. I mean... If you were to just take one of them, what do you think we could do? What do you think we could do to make it a little bit better generally across Muslim schools? 
So what could we do, for example, when it comes to recruitment to make it a little bit better? Just support and help to create or to prepare leaders. Because I think if, you, if we have enough good leaders for Muslim schools, inshallah, those leaders, they will, be, they will help to recruit and support and nurture Muslim teachers and other teachers to build these Muslim schools. But when you don't have the leaders, that, 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 that layer is not there. Mm. What are you going to get from the other layer? It's, it, I think I would pick one out of them, I'll pick leader because I know finance is very difficult. What can you do? Can't increase salaries. You can't increase fees, parents can't. Fees yeah. is a challenge. Let's create leaders, leaders who really want to work. They're good practice in Muslim and they want to work for Muslim schools. Mm. They don't want to go there for two, three years and go and find a better job with a better pay. There, there's got to be positives, right? What do, you think, where do, what do you think the future of Muslim schooling looks like? By the way, I'm a very positive and optimistic person. Yeah. No matter which angle I look at things, I like yeah. to look at it with a positive eye. And seriously, being a member of IMS, I believe that AMS need to play an absolutely vital role in the development of Muslim schools mm. and on creating the layer of leaders within Muslim schools. And I, I honestly, I hope that Muslim schools will continue to develop and increase. But we need to, we need, to, it's an area for development. It really needed, mm. it, it's just, we need to work on it really. Hard. If you were to give any advice to your peers across the country about what collectively we could all do better, what would that be? To improve the overall state and the reputation and you know, educational experience for our young people in Muslim schools, what could we do collectively? I think, number one, have a reflection on the current system that you all have. What is it we're offering? Mm. And why are you offering it? What do you want to achieve? Go back to your goal. Go back and examine your goal and your vision and stick by it and find ways of how can we achieve these goals. And I think training is another area. Training across Muslim schools for staff. And, and when I say training, I'm not talking about a one-off training because ongoing CPD and to staff is very important. The, the, best, the best work that you do is a little bit that on the frequency. Of yeah, it. consistently. Yeah, consistently. Of it. It's not about the beginning of the year and the end of the year. We have an inset here. What impact? Try to, and that's, this is an really ongoing. And if there are opportunities to try to offer a, a little bit better of, because people at the end of the day say, I want to live, I've got. I am the bread owner of my house, mm. and I really, I would love to work in a Muslim school. I'd love to give all my time, but I can't live yeah. on what I have. I think it is area somehow, I don't know how, honestly, but we need to look into it. Because it does make, and again, um, encourage and support, and um, I'd love to tell the leaders, honestly, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you can live on a salary that Muslim school will offer you and you can contribute 
Inshallah, may Allah make it a sadaqah jariya. Amen. Go and think of the barakah of what you earn. Inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless and earn. And I'm not saying that apply to everyone because sometimes it is difficult. Yeah. But if you can, but I know there are a lot they can and maybe they not value the work in a Muslim school. And, they should. and I would like to look at leaders and say to them, please, please look after your employees. When you have them, appreciate that they make a massive sacrifice to work in your school. Mm. Look at their welfare because I see that in many of our Muslim schools, that doesn't exist. And one of the things that, pe that, that people leave and not happy, in many cases, not just the money. It's not about money. It's about the way they treat it, how the management, the relationship in the school, the support, the whole structure, the system. Look at your structure and value your staff and develop your staff. Believe in them and develop them. And I really appreciate them. At every opportunity, appreciate them. And acknowledge the work that they do. Jazakallah khair, sister. Time has flown by. And there you go. The bell has just gone off. Subhanakallah. <laughs>